got a little uh, got a little special treat for you today. Uh, the man behind the beard and underneath the baseball cap, doing his best to be incognito, is ex New England Patriots Super Bowl winner, Pro Bowler, uh, John Madden Ultimate Protectors team. I, that's which is a huge honor, by the way, Sebastian. Uh, all 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 done by a young guy who uh, started playing this game uh, at the local level in Karst, Germany, and rose through the levels of football to go to the University of Houston and then be drafted in the second round by the New England Patriots, Sebastian Bomer. Welcome to the show, Sebastian. No, appreciate it. Didn't know I'm a special guest here. 55 already? Come 55, on. my man. Hey, hey. speaking All of right. which, I, I was going to ask All you this right. question. It popped in my brain last night which is a scary thing, but um, who's the best number 55 you ever had as a teammate? Who's the best Junior player who wore 55? Uh, junior Seau. Junior Seau. Okay, tell me the tell me a great Junior Seau story. Number 55, the best 55 what? you ever played with. So, obviously, he was with the Patriots, left. Well, I mean, you know, towards the end of his career, came to the Patriots, left again, and came back. So, that's when I was in. I think it was a rookie. It might have been my, my second year. So, this guy has played at that point in the league for like 20 years, 19 years, whatever it was. So, he shows back up. And, I mean, it's that immediate, like, the way he carries himself, right? Like, I mean, he goes right back in with the speeches, the pregame, the postgame, and all that. And then he had this phrase, right? And it was always buddy or buddy buddy. All, people always say, hey, if he calls you buddy, you know, he actually likes you. If he calls you buddy, buddy, it's like, eh, well, maybe not so much. I don't know. My theory is, because I noticed it. I mean, the football team has a lot of people going through the building, right? At some point, I think everybody, hey, buddy, because you have no idea who that guy is. Especially a bunch of rookies walking around, a bunch of practice waters, and, you know, this guy's been in the league for 20 years. So, like, yeah, you'd be gone in three weeks. I've been around for 20. But he was just such a guy. I mean, he was like, so I was a guy to pride himself to be in the locker room at 5 a.m., right? So you walk in there and he is like done with the sauna, working out, running. He's playing his ukulele in a, in a, in a corner somewhere. And it's just like smiling, having a good day. And just like, man, I mean, that guy got to figure out. You know what? It's, it's amazing you bring him up because I had a chance to get to know him, Sebastian. And what a wonderful human being. I mean, Not maybe, maybe one of the nicest guys you'd ever mm -hmm. want to meet. And just such a tragic way for him to leave the world. And, one that frankly surprised a lot of us who never ever saw that coming. Junior was such so good at creating that everything's okay Polynesian facade, but he was really really struggling with a lot of things in his life, and it was really sad to see see that end the way it ended. Yeah, I mean, again, it was my rookie year, and I used to have so much respect for the older players. I really I can't say I knew him well, um, but he did make an impact in the short time he was there for me. Um, like I was saying, I mean, it's it's a and then the impact. So obviously, he didn't start his career with the Patriots, but the impact after his death. I mean, you know, Bill flew out. I mean, it sent shockwaves. He had a meeting about it, and I mean, it's. Um, I mean, death always always tragic, um, but he certainly left an impact on a lot of people in and around the league. All right, tell me about that when you when you're a young kid. You know, you drafted in the second round, so obviously they think you can play, right? They don't draft yeah, second. Yeah. Well, they don't. Well. They don't draft second rounders on a flyer. But well, you, I, don't, I don't think Bill said that because he was like, I remember him drafting me, and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm so excited. Yeah, you suck. I was like, uh -huh, uh -huh. I'm really excited. <laughs> you got, you got, you got a long way to go, buddy. Went, yeah, okay. I, Wait you know, a second. I, I Wait a second now. Wait a second now. 
when he called you to tell you he was you you were picked in the second round what were, how many guys were picked 50 60 maybe in, in i was picked 56 i believe 56 or 59 okay. can't remember 56 of all the players in the draft you get picked right and he calls you up nice he's he's, he's he's like you got a long way to go kid that's it i mean i mean now looking back, the typical like you know Patriots thing was like, ah, oh, we draft him in the second round. He probably wasn't thinking he's going in the second round. Let's make sure he doesn't get you know big head. And and I don't think, to be honest with you, I mean, you saw me play. I don't think I had to figure it out back then. Well, not that I figured out now. <laughs> Got to weasel my way through. But I mean, it worked out, and, and I'm I'm certainly thankful for the for him and the, uh, the whole organization. But it's uh, it's an eye opener coming from college to the league, no doubt. Oh, you know what Julian Edelman told me that uh, when when he got drafted, which he was drafted late, seventh round, I think. Hello, yeah. And, and he was a quarterback at, at Kent State. And the Patriots call him and say, uh, you know, kind of the same way, kind of low-key, uh, well, you know, uh, we don't know what you are, but we think you're a football player. So, right. you know, I mean, it's just – it wasn't exactly like they were pumping his tires. I don't think we had a strong draft class now that I think about it. Oh, nine. We had 12 guys, I believe. We had four guys in the second round – um Chong obviously it's still playing. I mean, uh um panned out really well. We had Ron Brace, Darius Butler, and me in the second round. We had um I was thinking of who's still around. Julian, well, until recently, in the seventh round. And then uh just thinking about it. Anyways, we had a lot of guys, but they, they weeded us out pretty quick too. I was like, yeah, nah. That was a strong you guys- team still. So. Yeah, you guys were a good football team that you were going into. Right. Who did you, did did when you when you first um, when you first went into the old line room, right? Who was the alpha dog in the old line room back in those days? Matt Light. Was he? Well, I, well, that depends on your definition of alpha. The loudest, certainly Matt Light. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was a tackle, so I oriented myself on him, tried to emulate his style and all that stuff. But I mean, we had Logan Mankins. Um, to me, one of the best guards has ever played. He uh, just very quiet guy, but on the field, that's not a guy you want to mess with. He was just such a, I mean, just a really like a, like a quiet leader. Um, but as a rookie, it's like I came in and I think it was the eighth tackle. We had like eighteen guys in a room, and and then being told, wait, 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 you're a second round draft pick, and you're the eighth tackle. You know how it rolls. So he puts the depth chart on the on the on the board, and it's like I mean every every name is in front of me. I'm just like, okay, you got three weeks to make this thing, and then you know. But every day you kind of try to you know make your way up there, and they cut the guys and just turn us alive. I was gonna say, well, t- take us through the the emotional side of what it's like when you are looking at that depth chart, and every day that somebody's not there or you move up ahead of a guy or somebody moves ahead of you, what that does to you mentally and, and how you able to keep your focus with all that going on. For me, I think it's always the same thing. At least for me, it was. So coming into where you saw me play in Dusseldorf, I mean, I came in, I had no idea what I was doing. So you kind of work your way up there and then you go to college. Then you think you have it figured out, you know, I mean, we played together in the, or you coach me in the um, European all-star team and stuff. So you feel like you got to figure it out. Well, then you go to college and be like, okay, I weigh 220 pounds and all the old linemen are 300. I got a way to go. Then um, then you make it to the league and yeah, kind of like the same thing. You 
about the size, you got the strength, but you don't have it figured out. I mean, all of a sudden you got the, you know, the Dwight Freenies, the Junior Seals, the, you know, you name it, all of a sudden they're coming after you. So um, I think as a rookie, that's okay. Like, I don't think personally it's the best thing that can happen. You got to, got to earn your spot. You know, you're not just given just because, you know, they draft you in the first, second, third round, whatever it is, you work your way up, you make it. I think for the veteran though, having that rookie coming up behind you and you see him every day, like kind of jumping the spot and coming after you, I think that could be a little bit of a um, of an issue if you don't have the self-confidence. So I think that depends on the player. But I mean, in the end, I don't think you can concentrate on the other guys. I mean, you, you practice against yourself kind of thing. You got to got to get better. All right. Now, I've seen this happen so many times. And I wondered if it happened to you where you have that aha moment where mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, um, the line coach has been on your ass. You're, you've gotten beat. You, you, you know, again, you told me about Freeney putting the spin move on you the first oh, time yeah. you played it. But yeah. that moment when I can do this, I belong here. I know I can, I'm good enough. Uh, so I don't think I ever went in thinking I'm not good enough. Um, it was more, so I always had the same motto. I was okay with making a mistake. But I was not okay with making it twice. Right. Felt like it was kind of part of the learning experience. Obviously, don't want to make it, but you know, it's also realistically there are going to be some issues to got to work out. And um, so I knew. So by the time the season started, I was the third tackle, the backup guy, what the swing tackle. But it was good enough for them to create packages. Like I was a tight end, get me in big packages, you know, all those things, um, which really helped. But then Matt Light blew out his knee, what dislocated his kneecap, and he was out for a few weeks. And that was the like the first one was Vandenbosch against uh, was the throwback game uh, against Tennessee. And there I felt pretty good. I had a little help because we had a snowstorm in October, um, which then I didn't really never played in the snow before, but it really helps an <laughs> offensive lineman. I mean, Fatty knows, knows where you got to go. Um, you know, defensive end, obviously struggling. It's like kind of, you know, pig on ice. And the next game was against Freeney. And I did pretty well. Um, however, you got to say, obviously, you have Brady that stands at, you know, six, seven, eight yards. It's not at 11, 12, like other quarterbacks. I had a Logan Mankins next to me that helped on the inside. So all I had to do is, like, don't get run over and don't let him beat you at six yards. Uh, there were still some situations where, like I said, double spin move. You're just like, oh, I'm just like, turn on, Dom. But again, like, he had like four sacks the week before. And then um, against, he di- against us, he didn't have a sack. So, those things that kind of give you confidence and then you roll into the season. And then, so Matt came back and um, I remember then Scar essentially came up to me and was like, okay, you're not playing left tackle, but from now on you're going to be the starting right tackle. And then the former starter kind of got the boot, which is always a weird situation, especially because he took me under his wing a little bit, well, not a little bit, quite a bit. And so you're taking somebody's job and, you know, the year after that he was cut and got hurt and all those things. Um, but that's kind of where I felt like it was pretty good. And then I made, I think, second team all pro my second year where I felt okay, I kind of hang, hang here. All right. Now, Scar, mm-hmm. Dante Scarnecchia, your offensive line coach, one of the greatest that ever coached. Oh, no. I don't know how. I mean, he was in New England for how many years? Because he, he went through coach after head coach after head coach and was able to stay because it's so well-respected. Well, he stayed there. And then I think he went to Indianapolis for like two years and then came back. I mean, it must have been – I think you went with Meyer for a couple of years to Indianapolis and then came back. I mean, 
around 40. I, I don't know. But I mean, it's 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 the craziest thing in the world. So longest NFL tenure I I can remember. Even some of those old cowboy yeah. guys, uh, right. he, he he stayed longer than that. What made him so unique, so good, Sebastian? Attention to detail. So um, there's another thing which, as a player, can get quite annoying because you feel like, oh, what is he harping on? I mean, we're talking about inches. We're talking about like really millimeters. Okay, your hands are not right. Okay, you're a little slow at your stance. Uh, look how your knee is flaring out. Whatever it is, it really minute things in the moment. And what I early on, what I didn't understand is, and Bill makes that clear pretty well as well. Let's say, so I remember we beat that game I was talking to you about uh, against Tennessee. We beat them 59 nothing. And me and Logan made a call where we changed the blocking scheme. So I pulled behind them, like Logan blocked out the defensive end. I pulled behind him, got his uh, linebacker. And Lawrence Moroni scored a 60, 70 yard running touchdown. And we're all like hyped and, you know, hey, we made the right call, everything great, blah, blah. So we're going to the sideline. And I mean, we get verbally assaulted. Because this was not the program. This is not by Bill or uh, by, by Scar. By Scar. By Scar. You know, and I mean Bill later on, but I mean, he wasn't probably worried about the offensive lineman in that moment. But we made a call which wasn't allowed in that moment. But I mean, the thought process behind it though is, I think, would well, the next week against uh, Indianapolis, that's not going to work. Like, stick to the script. Don't like do stuff on the fly because this can go into uh, now. I'm going to do that, or now I'm going to pull. Now I'm going to whatever it is. And I, back then in my rookie, I didn't understand it. And then you kind of grow with the situation. And he is so good at not letting little things become big things. And every year you start over with my new things. He treats you like a rookie as, and he explains every play, every technique. I mean, we talking about how you stand right at the huddle, how you, how the play call goes, how, what is a play action? I, I mean, it's the whole thing. And like he said one time, I was like, if one veteran, if it makes click, for one play in one situation, because I've been doing this a hundred times to you, it's worth it. So you start over. There's never anything's being skipped. Um, and he truly, it's tough, it's tough to play for him. There's no doubt about that. But he truly made me the best player I could have possibly been. I mean, no doubt about it. There, there got to be so much appreciation for that man. All right. Now, did you ever teach him any German words? Um, probably things I mumbled on, under my breath if I was picked up on the side. <laughs> nothing, you know, nothing officially. Yeah. Oh, uh, that is funny. Uh, you know, because Seabass's uh, school of German is one of the uh -huh. all-time great ones. Now, how many how many guys did you actually put through school? Did, could, could you get? I saw Brady's, and that was priceless. Yeah. Fans, go to YouTube and go to Seabass's school of German. And it is absolutely hilarious. How did that come about? It was when you were hurt, right? Correct. It was my last year. Actually. I was injured reserve. And I was like, well, I got nothing else to do. So uh, we came up. Well, I take that back. I did that in college at U of H before. And I kind of died down. And then, honestly, it was kind of like a, um, an NFL thing. Um, and then we just asked a couple of guys. And, you know, Thomas, I mean, he's such a like awesome super dude like you ask him something and he will do whatever you know whatever he can do to help you I mean, he's one of the most amazing guys i've ever met so he was the first guy who did it and he was great at it and i mean there was one situation which wasn't actually the funny part but i'm shown in a play which i hadn't seen before either so we both wanted to be spontaneous i'm shown this play against miami and he's like oh, i remember that and i was like hey, yeah whatever so and i promise i have not shown it to him and he's like yeah well it's Third quarter, second play. I'm going to throw this to Wes, and he is going to do. It. I'm like, what? 
anyways, but his I blew my mind just the, the memory of and it's a couple of years ago. It wasn't like a you know it just happened last week. Just the memory and football understanding and situationally awareness he brings to the team, unbelievable. But anyway, so uh, so we asked a few guys, and Julian was one of them. Danny was great. Amendola. Uh, and then we did a group of them, like Patrick Chung was there, and uh, we probably did, I don't know, 10, 15 guys, and they were all pretty pretty great. I'm telling you, fans, you got to check it out because it is it is priceless. You will laugh forever. All right. Now, I want to talk about the Patriots a little bit because we got so all many right. Patri- Patriots fans that listen. One of the things that, you know, it, it, always there's turnover in football. That's the way it is. No two, no two teams are ever the same year for year. Uh, but there's a there's a guy that has decided to call it quits in New England that has been in the shadows his entire time. And I think he's been there with Bill the entire time, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And do you want to talk about Ernie and what his role is and what you guys thought as players? Because it's really fascinating to me. He is or was truly a man in the shadows. Like, I don't think like he he was around kind of really – Nobody knew what he was really doing kind of thing. It was always a little, I wouldn't say it was secretive, but he certainly had his own way of doing stuff. Where he really came into the picture for the players was on Fridays. So, you know, you, you get your installs Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is the, uh, like, red zone, red area deal. And he would put, he was in charge of the scout team. So he would pick the, what a scout team, offensive and defensive players. So for me, interestingly, obviously, it was the, um, was the defense but he would pick plays not just say we play whoever miami that wouldn't he wouldn't pick the plays they did last week they would go okay this college coach his brother-in-law his friend coaches at this high school and they ran the wishbone i don't know so he would come up with the craziest potential plays we could you know could ever see and he would line them up against our place where you really had to think quick and hard Chance of that actually happening were so minute, but he still wanted to see if he can, you know, a figure it out if he can think on our feet, and if it does happen, he wanted us to be prepared, obviously. So he would try to get the hardest plays lined up against our best plays and kind of see if we can we can still score. Okay, now I have been told that the Butler play on the goal line against Seattle, he had done that against Malcolm on Friday before the game in red zone period. And actually they scored a touchdown on it. The scout team scored a touchdown on it, but it was a play that Seattle hadn't run, but he said, you got to be alert for the vertical and the under. And that was when he stepped in front and made that interception. That's an incredible, incredible story inside the Patriots, the way they do things on Friday. What, what, you know, Rob Ryan said to me that he would go into Ernie's Ernie's office and Ernie would shut his computer because he didn't want him to see what was in there. I mean, it, the guy was like, he, he was uh, like a save on like, and he and Bill go back a long, long way. Correct. I think they went to college together. I think they might've been college roommates or at least good friends. And he has been around and I mean, he made the, the, it was a big part of the Patriots success. No doubt. Like he was so prepared. He knew everything about, he kind of was involved. Now Bill says that. He was involved in any and every aspect of the Patriots organization, really from um, uh, scouting to player evaluations to the place I was just talking about. 
he was a, I think like Bill's confidant as in let's run things by him, kind of, kind of see what he thinks. And he was truly, I think like a football mastermind. He was just not as in the press and everything like Bill, but I think they both really played well off of each other and made a great team. No doubt. How big a loss do you think that's going to be that he, he would lose a guy who's been a confidant for him for so many years? How to assume. I mean, that's the way, well, I don't know. Bill is Bill. So I think he gets away with, well, gets away is probably the wrong term, but he can adjust so well to any and other situations. Like I've never seen him, not that he would like confine him or anything, but I've never seen him say, oh man, you know, dwelling on the past. I think it's truly that it is what it is. I, I mean, well, he's, he's gone. Um, oh, I got to figure it out. You know? Wait a second. Wait a second. We're on to Cincinnati is legit. It's not oh, just oh, a- oh, No doubt. No doubt. I mean, I think that's the way he that's the way he lives his life. That's the way he coaches. I thought you were on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly lessons to be learned. But I mean, once they are learned, once they are analyzed and and, and all those things, I mean, you move on. What does it? It's only steals energy. Like if you're sitting there three weeks later and be like, well, we should have done this and that. Well, we didn't. So if you're playing them again, we will. But I mean, you're moving on. Um, So the Mondays. So Sunday, let's say we play Sunday. Sunday night is certainly tough for coaches. I mean, you know that they 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 evaluate, they they grade, they you know all that stuff. But I mean, the next game is coming, so that 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 sand clock is is is, is ticking. It's just, you know, I mean, you gotta gotta have seven days. You gotta get prepared. So Monday, you already gotta prepare for the next opponent. So most of the time, I remember like on away games, say you fly out Saturday and you play opponent A on Sunday. On those um, flights, they would already prepare for the opponent for the next week. So mentally, they got to sh- be able to shift back and forth just because you don't have enough time um, or they want to be prepared enough and they don't want to waste time to sit in there and watching a movie. Okay, now, take us inside the, the, the Citadel known as, you know, Patriot Kingdom. All right. and, and, and I have been told by a kid, uh, do you remember Jake Ingram, the long snapper yeah, that you guys dude. had? Okay, uh-huh, Jake, uh-huh. Jake played for me at the University of Hawaii. He's one of my favorite kids. I loved him. And uh, I came down to see you guys play the Texans in uh, the the game that Wes Welker got hurt, right, down in in Houston. So I'm waiting for Jake after the game, and he comes out, typical Jake. He's got – everybody's got great-looking suits and, you know, diamonds on. Also, he's got a hoodie on and a surf shirt. And But I I, I asked him, I said, how you doing? And he goes, I hate it. I said, what? He goes, I hate it. I hate this. I hate pro football. And here was a kid that loved football. I mean, he's a walk-on at the University yeah. of Hawaii that worked him worked his way into getting drafted and becoming a long snapper for the Patriots and all stuff. But he said the grind, the mental grind, the constant being tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he talked about Belichick. He'd be snapping the ball before practice, and Belichick would walk over with a water bottle and all of a sudden just pour water yep. on the ball to make him yep. snap a wet ball. Or he'd put him. He, he'd ask him a. He said he, you'd get asked questions in a team meeting and you better have the answer because he would just embarrass you in front of your teammates if you didn't have the answer, especially as a rookie. Is, is, did you experience any of that? 100% true. Um, but I think it's about your own attitude. He makes you better. So now if you analyze what he just said, yes, let's say you play in the summer in New England. Let's say it doesn't rain a lot. He doesn't want his rookie long snapper to go into a game and never have him snap the ball in the rain. Well, how do you simulate rain? We'll get the ball wet. So, and now it's actually doing him a favor. He's doing it pre-practice, not when the entire team is watching you. 
um, doing it, doing whatever punt, and you missed the uh, missed the snap. So I mean, it's not like he's he's out there to embarrass you or make you cry or anything. I mean, he's a good coach trying to make you better. It's tough, no doubt. I mean, it's pro football. It's there's uh, I don't know fifteen hundred athletes that are the best in the world in in that sport. Well, I mean, competition is high, and I mean, you coach in college, so or CFL wherever. I think there's a lot of guys that will probably want to take your spot and are willing to go through that. So I think it's a it's an attitude thing, but it is tough. It's the league. I think it's um, the competition is high and, and 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 they make you better. And you know, I think you know, iron sharpens iron. I think the the tougher the situation, we always said though. Um, he wants to make practice harder than the actual game. So re- games are almost relaxing. It's like, well, I've been there. I've done that. Well, I've snapped the ball. All right, now that okay, now that's that's a great question. How does he do that though? Not just physically harder, but they got to be mentally harder too, right? You got to adjust faster. You got that way. Correct. But for example, uh, I remember we played um, Indianapolis and we played um, uh, Freeney on one side and Robert Mathis on the other. You know, both extremely quick probably at that point at least the quickest off the ball i mean extremely talented defensive ends and what he would do he would line up the scout team offside Offside. which i mean it's tough i mean there's still yeah you come out it's like scout team all that stuff no they're still nfl players they can run they they can rush and now give them extra yard and i'm just attacking (laughs) you're trying to get them and you're going in like run mode and then you get criticized on your technique i'm like yeah the guy has passed by me already um, in his lineup but those things yeah it's tougher like so you kind of get in the feel of man they, this guy's unblockable but when you get into the game obviously he's not superhuman so he's not gonna run you know three nine uh, on his 40 dash so he's just trying to over prepare you for those situations and i mean free and masses they can run i mean they're still gonna beat you but you, you, you try you try your best to hang on there try to be all right. all right now you talked about what a great guy tom was right mm-hmm. and what a great teammate he was. Were you surprised at all by the F-bombs that he got credited with last week in the article that came out about some, I don't know, what what team it was that, uh, yeah. that didn't want it? Were you surprised by that? Um, he is one of the, he's like the most passionate, emotional, invested guy in the sport, in his teammates, in, in all of it. He knows he's good. I mean, obviously he is. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He, and he he can win. So, I mean, I get it. I mean, but he's also human. I mean, you know, I don't think he, he curses. He goes through the street and curses all the time. But, I mean, it slips. You know, but and he's, again, he's passionate about it. He, he, he knows he can deliver. And I think the, the great, I think they're great football players. And they're the greats of the great. And he's yeah. obviously, he's he's there. And I think that's what is one of the things that drives him is to, but, uh, you know, he doesn't forget that he, you know, was no. drafted where he was drafted and was looked at that we was looked at. Hey, um, yep. uh, when you when you uh, think about him, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing this at practice one one time. He I, he threw and hit a receiver right in the back of the helmet. Right, the guy two came off the front side and he's hot to that receiver, and the receiver didn't look. So Tom yep. just threw it and drilled him right in the back of the head with the ball. And he gave that kid the, I mean, you talk about the stink eye, like they say back in Hawaii, you know, they talk about the stink eye when, when somebody does something wrong to you. I, I was like, Ooh, that kid better learn right quick. I mean, he was tough on his, on his guys too. He expect I same. I mean, I remember like in practice, 
some guy like drove me back a little bit and i mean he calls you out on it it was like be a man like stand up for yourself whatever it is i'm just oh god like you're like but you don't I always say like he he made me better because i know with him in there or back there i know we can win if i do my job if all if 10 of us do a job you don't have to worry about that guy he will deliver yeah. So if you give him a chance to throw the ball, if you do your hot rod right, if you block the guy, if you do, you know, whatever it is, I mean, I think it's close to 100% that you're going to win. It's mostly the other guys. Sure, he might have an off day here and there, but most of the time he does not. And don't just don't be the guy. Don't be the guy that causes him not to deliver the ball. You know what? That's interesting you say that because I've been really fortunate, Sebastian, to coach on teams with five different Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, right? Five of them. And I remember Doug Flutie was that way. Like everybody knew as long as you did your job, Doug could make a, no matter what the score was, no matter what the situation was, no matter what the down and distance, Doug could make a play to help us win, but you had to do your job. And when you get that mentality, that's really something special. That's when a team can really, really be good. So you go into any, so the same, like the Super Bowl, the one you mentioned earlier, but Seattle, like we were back and it's like, he walks in, was like, ah, let's do it. And you're like, all right. If he says so, let's do it. And that's just how it's going to be. Hey, now, uh, you saw them this offseason do some things that are not, mm-hmm. quote, Patriot-like. They moved up in the draft, you know, to get a quarterback. They spent a lot of money in free agency, which has never been their thing. Um, and interestingly enough, you saw guys like Van Noy, who left, for a big payday, come back to New England. Were you surprised by the way they handled the offseason? No, I think, and I mean, again, I'm not a GM and what do I know, but I think they did exactly right. I mean, you lost the all-time guy. We just talked about Brady, how great he is and what he does to other players. No good way. Now you don't have him anymore. And nothing against Cam Newton or Mac, whoever's going to be in there, but it's hard to replace a guy like Tom. And I've been with him on teams where there were a lot of guys, you know, that he made so much better. Like he is a quarterback that makes you as a lineman, receiver, running back, whatever it is, he makes you better. But so if you, so you don't have to spend that money on the offense. So that's what I'm saying. So you pay perhaps the greatest quarterback ever, a marginal, relatively, uh, salary, and you can spend the money as well or save it. But now you don't have that. So you need the elite guys. But I think Bill's going back to like how he won in the past. Have a great defense, low scoring game game manager and be good enough kind of thing. So you don't have to be Tom, bail me out here. It's more like, okay, I might get See, but, score but 14 points and you win. Yeah. And I think that's the mark of a great coach when you can do it different ways with yeah. different people. And obviously I think, you know, again, you know, him much better than I know, him, but certainly I think his competitive nature, his fire, his, his belief in, the process and what what they do i really think they're going to make a jump this year i think they're i think anybody that's you know counting them out and saying they're, they're going to be the third or fourth team in that division or whatever they gotta gotta rethink it because i think that's going to be a good football team i don't think you can ever count or bet against bill same i always say don't don't bet against tom don't bet against bill either i mean that that man has i was fortunate enough just to play under him as a pro at least uh, but it's hard for me to imagine that there are a lot of other guys out there that know more, can adjust better to a game than he can. I mean, we have been in games where, 
I mean, the entire game plan is not working the first half. It's like, well, we got 12 minutes to figure this figure this out. They talk it over to figure out an entire new game plan, and this is what's going to happen. That's what we're going to do, and and you turn it around. It's not like there's so many times where I don't know. You know exactly what your opponent's going to do because that's what they do. They play three, four, four, three, whatever it is, and I mean, they blitz. 13% of the time, and that's the trade. I mean, it's just their their way of winning, which is great. It might work. Bill, I think it's different. He was like, what do I need to do in order to beat them? And I will adjust to that. He's never the same. So as a player, you got to be flexible. But he is, um, I think that, again, I think they're going to have a great defense. I think with Hightower being back, I think that helps a lot. He's such a force, you know, in the middle of the defense and such a leader. Over Chong. Uh, Chong, him. I mean, the, 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 you can't forget the players that opted out last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, from the get-go, I think true. it was six starters that, I mean, it's half your football team. Yeah. Not really, but I mean, it's there's a lot of leaders, pro bowlers, et cetera, that, that just weren't there. I mean, that's an impact you can't replace. I mean, that happens right before training camp, and it's like, oh, well, roster set. So, I mean, that that certainly hurt him. And then, um, and who knows? I mean, I think the quarterback, if, let's say, assume that Cam is in there, I think he will be better because um, he's been in the system for longer. Um, I think they know each other better all those things and who knows i mean maybe maybe um they get a rookie quarterback in there as well who knows but i think they're going to be a good good team as well all right i want to i want to go uh switch gears on you here a little bit and go to something that's uh you know it's tough it's a tough situation to talk about tough tough uh topic to talk about but it's something to talk about because it is it's a reality of what everybody that plays the game at particularly at the highest level and as long as you did uh you know needs to take a look at there was a there was a a study done, uh, and it was printed in New in the New York Times. I think today it came out. They, they studied 111 brains of ex NFL football players. 110 of them had evidence of CTE in in the uh, examination. H- how have you addressed that in your own life, Sebastian? And you know, with your own health, long term, and all that. You've done a great job. How much weight have you lost? You lost what 60, 70 pounds. Yeah, uh, I mean, at my heaviest, I was close to 340 pounds. I'm hovering 255 to 60 right now. So, I mean, you look absolutely fantastic. I appreciate, you, appreciate you, look it. Like, you look like an underwear model, but I mean, the, yeah, the, you don't want to see me in a speedo. That's not a thing that, you know, <laughs> well, I know you were in Germany last week, so you probably broke it out. But you know what I'm saying? You, you've done a great job of getting, you know, getting your weight back where it needs to be and, yep. and take eating yep. right and taking care. Are you doing? Are you, is there anything you guys do to t- you know look out for your for your brain for your gray matter? So, um, one thing to the study, and I don't know if that's the same study, but there had been a study before, kind of the same results, and maybe it's the same one they're talking about. Um, so, to the public, obviously, that sounds very dramatic, and I think it is. So, I don't think you can play this down by any means. However, I think the one thing that needs to be said is that those brains, as far as I know, are being um, um, given to study by the wives, kids, whomever, but those, um, they have a reason. So it is probably they already knew something was going on. That man has changed. He played football, all those things. Now he has passed. Let's, let's, let's confirm my, um, my fear that he had CTE and he wasn't a man he once was. The chances of somebody donating a healthy brain probably very slim so i think that most of those brains they already knew that something was going on they kind of got confirmation um so i think this just needs to be mentioned i'm not trying to play this down because it is a real risk and it's and it's real and any contact sport and football certainly one of them um has a risk 
So just to your question, I think, yes. Yeah, so physically, obviously, we talk about it all the time as a player, you know, because you break legs, ligaments, all those things. Um, you have arthritis. You got to take care of that. For me, I think it's probably not the healthiest way to rock around at 340, 350. I mean, I'm 6'8". Um, there's no need for me to huff and puff up, going up and down the stairs or trying to get my daughter back then at least out of a crib and you know it can't bend over because it back a certain all those things so first thing first was lose weight like just kind of get it to a, a somewhat normal level diet changes definitely and i think the diet changes not only physically helped me but also mentally from the um you know your fish oils or your your, your healthy fats um the anti-inflammatories for your brains for your brain and they they, they certainly help um I think I was fortunate, and who knows what happens in 20 years. I feel fine, I feel great. But I was so tall, and we played a lot of pass, pass protection, where I didn't get a lot of bull rushes. There wasn't a lot of um, head-to-head trauma for me. I had a concussion, but still, there is um, a, there are certainly some that have it worse, I would say. But I also feel you cannot live in fear what might happen in five years, what might happen in 10 years, because, well, you've ruined your presence. So if it does happen, it's it's a shame, it's tragic, all those things. But I think I'm trying to live my life as in, you know, live today. I have kids, three young kids, I have a wife, trying to be there for them and all that stuff. And right now I have no issues. You know, I mean, I think intellectually, you got to challenge yourself still, like um, learning another language, your 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 mind games, reading. Um, learning a new skill, like all those things. I think when you retire at whatever, at what age that is, people tend to, well, some people tend to just, um, let it ride, like sit on the couch, whatever it is, but not challenge themselves like they once did. And I think that might be a mistake. Um, I Uh, think again, exercise, all those things definitely play a role. You know, obviously I follow you on Twitter and I, I mean, you're living the life, man. I'm going to tell you something, man. You, you know, it's great to see you out doing the things that you're doing with your children and all the traveling that you're doing. Speaking of traveling, all right, all my right. German, my German friend, oh, okay. I got it. I got a, uh, ein Frage for Z. All right. Okay. Um, how about that? I dropped a little German on you right there. Yeah, I know. I know you got to translate for the people. <laughs> that means I have a question for you. All right. Germany is now become again, because at one time when you were coming out, Germany was the hot property in all of the world for the NFL. I mean, there was more interest. Uh, we had we had uh, the new head of the uh, NFL in Europe on the show a week ago, and he talked about they feel there are 3 million hardcore, not casual NFL fans, oh hardcore NFL fans in Germany. Now, we talked earlier about Seabass's school of German. So we're going to expand a little bit. You're going to become a conglomerate today. And it's it's going to be Seabass's travel palooza for Deutschland. All right. right? Okay. So you know that what's coming is that the uh, cities in Germany will have an opportunity to bid to become an NFL host city, much like London. All right. So what I want you to do is go around. I'm going to name some cities in Germany, and then I want you to give me your best selling points for why the NFL should go to that city. And we'll start with the oldest city that uh, has a football history in Germany, Frankfurt. Tell me about Frankfurt and why the NFL should go to Frankfurt. I mean, it's kind of right in the middle with the old Frankfurt Galaxy. I think there's a big draw there. 
Um, but honestly, it's actually not a bad place because, um, like, the surrounding areas with the big football population, they're probably in driving distance of two to three hours. So they would drive a lot of um, fans there quite a bit. I think just location is pretty good. It's almost right in the middle. Okay, they have a stadium that could that would be good enough? They do have a stadium, um, a soccer stadium. It's good enough, definitely. Big enough might be the question. Um, like, from a higher perspective... We talking ball yeah. stadium? Yeah. So it's like, can you, you know, I mean, I, whatever, like Patriots, let's say there's 70,000 people in, in, in Foxborough, but now you're bringing 50,000 people in there. I mean, that's a, that's a big cut to the wall at some point. So I don't know how that would work, but um, I think it's, I mean, they're, they're good. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a good city. It's a very Americanized city. I'd say, I mean, it's very industrial, very like, you know, a lot of banks um, um, are there direct flights for Americans if they wanted to come. I mean, that might be a good selling point, but I mean, I, I think those tickets will be sold out by Germans pretty quick. All right, let's get in our, let's get in our uh, BMW and okay. or, our, or our Mercedes and let's point north and head up the Audubon as fast as we can drive okay. to Cologne and tell me about why Cologne should have an NFL game. So I think that whole area would be would be pretty great too. So hey, first of all, I'd have a great beer. Um, people from Dusseldorf probably wouldn't agree right now, um, which is my hometown. But um, so they are. It's a big city, million people in there. But also, they all have great stadiums. Just by you know the soccer clubs, and I mean they all would work really well. Um, they are awesome people. Extremely nice. Not that you know, I'm not, not sure the, the, that relates to the actual football team, but. I think they're a great host city. I think every American I've ever met that went to Cologne really loved the city. They're walking through there. Um, they, 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 they just love being there. I mean, it's something about the culture. That, you know, I mean, it's the big beer tables. You just sit down, have your several little bratwurst and, 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 a, and a cold one, and you don't feel right at all. All right. Now we jump back in the car. We head about a half hour, 45 minutes yeah. north again to yeah. Dusseldorf, which is, again, where you played your yeah. junior football. And tell, tell me why, again, that city should be a host city. So when I first picked up football, uh, football, they, um, they had to do so Ryan fire and those stadiums were packed. I mean, there were probably 40, 50,000 people there. It wasn't an event. I mean, that's 20 years ago. They had no idea what football was, but they were fascinated by it. I think there is a, still a great, amount of people there i mean obviously do the panthers they, they they still have a local team there cologne does too and so does frankfurt i mean they all do kind of um but i think there is a um yeah just a great push also for the city i think quite honestly what they would probably should be doing is like somehow merge all the areas and get all these towns because like you were saying it's really not that far i mean it's literally across the rhine which is the river right there just bring them all together and like be a host city somewhere, but get the whole region involved and get even more people. But in the end, like from my perspective, we want the game to be over there. We want to grow the game. I want, like I've, football has given me, I mean, the most amazing life. If I can get one more person, if they want to obviously, to experience the same thing I experienced, I mean, what a blessing. I mean, I would say it all the time and, you know, I know you don't like talking about it, but you got me there to play right this is like a it's paid us forward this is a this is an incredible opportunity and quite honestly even if you're just a fan i think i haven't i've never tailgated right but i think it looks like a heck of a time <laughs> like I, I just kind of like just having a sunday with your friends and family and doing those things yeah it'd be awesome 
it'd be really good tailgating in Dusseldorf, having those alt beers and, the, and a, like right. you say, a bratwurst. And let's go. All right. All right. We're going to jump back in our cars. We're going to go straight east. We're going to get to Hanover and turn north and okay. go to another German city with uh, with an NFL history, Hamburg. Why Why Same. would Hamburg make a great host city? Same. I mean, all the ones you named so far, they all have still a great base from the old NFL Europe days. They have a local club team. Um extremely nice people like great host city good fish sandwiches anyone cares but it's a i mean it's it's a good it's just an overall good place i remember like i was there probably a couple years ago and we started uh flag football league and just the excitement those kids had just to play again had no idea really what they were doing but they all started the league they participated they got out and they're kind of just fans so i think it's just growing in all those places and again, I think Hamburg is definitely one of them that has a great old fan base that are that are looking for it. All right, now can you imagine? Can you imagine Raider Nation in the <laughs> Reaper Bond? Can you imagine wow. that? Wow! <laughs> As for 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 you guys that don't know what that is, that is a street. Just look it up. Maybe don't. don't yeah. Don't yeah. Don't. Just don't. Just don't. Just turn the computer off. It's uh it's it's uh it, it's it can get wild. I forgot about that part. Yes. Um but I mean just yeah, no, stay away. Just just, just stay away. Just, just stay All right, away. we we got back in our cars, we're heading southeast to the biggest city in Germany, yep. the capital Berlin. Just saying it's the biggest city, millions of people. Um Olympia was there i mean they know the host i mean it's as international as you can make it from the foods to i always call like the little new york obviously it's way smaller and doesn't have all those things but it kind of has a little bit of the same flair it's it's brand new obviously got torn down by the war uh long long time ago but like with the new buildings everything they have done to that city i mean it's it's beautiful it's big it has i mean entire east really you know obviously it draws right there um berlin thunder back then again great great team base but it's just it's big i mean it's as big as it gets so um in germany at least all right you got you got you got time for one more trip okay right, I, hop, I do let's hop into beamer and go southeast right yeah. and now we're down in dunkel deutschland at in munich tell me okay. about munich and why why they should host the team or host the game well i mean might as well stop by oktoberfest so, so go make it a real good week. Um, now it's again just um, we did in Munich. I went there with uh, we shot a couple of things, a couple uh, little clips with the NFL, and we we're walking through um, like the big marketplace right there. And I mean, you just from being recognized to fans to I mean, you have a football in your hand, people will stop you. They will talk about it. They just love it. You can feel the eagerness in the air. And I think they brought OBJ there a few years ago, like two or three years ago. He shut down Marine Plus. It's like the, the the big market with the beautiful church right there and all those things. I mean, there were thousands of people. He wasn't announced. He just showed up. I mean, within minutes, maybe 30 minutes. I mean, he was standing on top of a car and there were just people at him throwing stuff, autographs, pictures. I mean, it's like Justin Bieber came to town. It is insane. So they certainly have a love for football there. And I mean, but honestly, it's a beautiful city. But all those you just mentioned um, are very different and unique. I mean, obviously, the Germans, they know they're there. So it's not really for Americans to go there because they got the games here. But it's, it's they're beautiful cities. Now, a little bird has told me that you're mm -hmm. somehow involved in this whole process. Now, is it what's going on? Can you give us any information? 
Well, I mean, it's, I think it's always been my mission. Um, and a lot of the former guys mission to get the game over more international. Obviously I'm from Germany. So my, my, uh, my push certainly is, is for that, for that country itself. So, um, we want, like I was saying that we're from when I started playing pro in 09, we have seen the growth and you mentioned it earlier, just from which help with TV, like, I mean, they're on, you know, regularly on TV or well, all the, well, not all the games, but most of the games are uh, on TV. So the, the fan base has grown um, in really, I just want to give back. And I think there's a lot of German, a, a lot of German players that can, fo- that can play football. I mean, you've seen them. They're big, they're strong. I mean, they, they, they're coming. And now in the league, they're, they're, they're way more. I started and it might've been one or two during that time. And then slowly more and more came. And now, I mean, it feels like there's a bunch. Yep. And so the, the same goes with the fandom. So certainly the push is getting it over there. And there's a certainly, it's for sure happening. We don't know what city is. So they're making a case for themselves. So I think it's going to be a, an interesting progress um, to watch. But the process of them doing it, I think it's even interesting. I think they're going to be some media releases. I think that's going to be for the fans something to look forward to. And when, you know, when we're coming, I think it's going to be a show, you know, and coming with you know, a couple of airplanes and, and uh, Raider Nation or whoever is coming to town, you know, we'll keep deliver. Them, keep them out of the Reaper bond, please. Hey, <laughs> yeah, right. um, now, I get asked all the time, all the okay. time, for people, they say, tell me about a great football movie. Give me a great football book to read. Talk about your book. Talk about your book. Um, so it's... Certainly, it's somewhat more of a biography, but there's a little bit more to it than that. It's um, it gives you a little bit of an insight to the Patriots organization, but it's also, I mean, really, Tyler says, you know, it's the the story of my NFL career, and it starts off short, but it starts off in Dusseldorf, Germany, all those things, and kind of guides you through. And I think it just gives you some of the coverages that the media really doesn't pick up and, and just inside stories and funny. I mean, it's all of it, right? How to, how to deal with injuries, the funny moments, the great moments, the not so great moments. This kind of gives you an overall idea of what an NFL life really is. My okay. NFL life really is. Uh, how, how can somebody get a copy of it? Uh, just go to Amazon. It's probably the easiest way to do it. And, you know, it's called German Champion and uh, you can just order it right there. All right, that's it. Now, again, he's real. As you can tell, my man is is humble. But it's a great book. Uh, Sebastian it. Sebastian shared it with me at the Super Bowl in Miami a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, it, you know, again, it's a fantastic book. And for a father to give to a son, a father to have for himself, uh, you know, a, a father to give to a daughter, it doesn't matter. It's a great book about life and about his experience in the National Football League. And I recommend it, recommend it completely. Totally highly. Michael, come on out here. We got to get some questions to the big man before we turn him loose. Hello, Sebastian. How's it going? A couple of questions here before we let you go this morning or this afternoon. Uh-huh. Uh, Fred in Ireland says, obviously, Sebastian, not many Europeans make the NFL and even fewer make it to the Super Bowl, let alone win it two times. Uh, you know, for you in Germany and Europe, what do people in Germany and Europe make of your career? Are, are you now maybe stopped in the street by the old NFL fan? Uh, or what's that been like for you? Um, yes, I know me having lost 80 pounds certainly helps. Um, <laughs> or, it's, it's, it's not quite as freakish, you know, anymore when I, when I walk through there, but, um, yeah, it depends on the setting. It depends on where I am. Um, but it, it happens less and less, which is personally, 
um, I enjoy, you know, I have my three kids. I enjoy just walking with them and having a good time. And, um, but like I said, I, I mean, the offensive lineman life, it's the best I can imagine. Cause you kind of, you get to experience it all, but you're kind of in the, in the shadows a little bit, you know, Tom Brady can't walk. I don't know. He can't get his own gas because he can't be, been run down by fans. I don't know that problem. <laughs> We've got one last question here as well, Jeff, uh, for Sebastian. So this is from the full 10 yards team in the UK. Did anybody ever manage to pull off a team training prank on Bill Belichick? Has Bill ever carried out a prank? Uh, or is he as strict as everybody thinks in that sense? Also depends on the situation. I think Bill's a funny dude. Um, maybe not, you know, Super Bowl week. Well, actually, maybe he was. But again, probably doing game day, maybe not. Has he pulled up? Yeah, so I don't think he pranked a lot of people. He was pranked a couple of times, but I think those things. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, come uh, on, uh, one. Uh, come on. Just, uh, uh, just uh, one. Can do it. Can do it. Can do it. Just invite me. Let, me. let me say this. Invite Matt Light to your show and let him spill the beans if, if he has any, anything to say. He All might right. have you, been involved. You, you send me Matt's number and I'll get Matt on the show and, and we'll okay. see about that. One. But I will tell you this, fans. There is a, again, go to YouTube and you can find this. Because one of the things that Belichick will do on occasion, and Sebastian's right, he is very funny. He's dry humor, but very, very yeah. funny guy, right? Is he will heat up the jugs machine, which is the machine that they use to shoot balls in the air oh, for yeah. the punt returners to catch, Right. And, I mean, these balls go up in the air now. And he will pick a big guy and go. he'll put him out there and he say, if you catch it, no sprints today. So you've got 65 or 85 guys in training camp that are dying and it's hot and they can get out of sprints and conditioning if the big fat guy can catch the ball. Well, guess who got that opportunity one time? You want to walk us through that whole experience? So it wasn't even worse uh, or better either way. So it was, um, you would get the night off. So you didn't have to go to the hotel. The night no off. Meetings and no uh, meetings after practice. So I would say it's 4, 4 p.m. If you catch the thing, you're going home to your wife and kids. You're not going, you know, stay another five hours and go to a hotel and all that stuff. So he's like, Balmer and Pryor, who was uh, the other fat guy, was like, you don't catch it, there's another chance. So I'm going up there and... Um, I remember Scott like, looking at him, was like, wait a second, wait a second. How did he pick you? Like, how did he just, he said, I well, after the, the clip you're talking about, so I'm going to get to that after. But so he's like, oh, I was like, I was like, okay, oh, maybe he thinks I got hands. Maybe I'll go be a tight end. And so they put in the ball. I get it. Oh, Scott's looking at me. He was like, hey, because the coaches would have gotten off too. Would, have, would get off too. So he looks at me, hey, uh, if you don't catch this, I will effing kill you, right? All right, I got it. So, uh, bunt the ball. I end up catching it. A bit a little wobbly, but it didn't didn't drop on the ground. I got it. I mean, everybody goes nuts. We all go home. Anyway, so a couple of years later, NFL Network was there. They had the whole thing filmed, and they uh, filmed Bill as he walking away. He's like twirling his uh, his whistle, and it's like never would have thought he would catch that. So that was like he was mad. That's no, he really didn't want me to do it. But he said, "Hey," and then people come up to him. It's like, "Is this for real?" It's like, "Hey, I told you." If he catches it, you're up. So everybody got a couple of brownie points. So it was a good rookie moment for me. Yeah, hey, you must have been the hero of camp, boy. Oh, that was, was great. I mean, but again, it's like while funny and all that stuff, he does prepare you for big moments. It's like, hey, I mean, you got to deliver. Block freeing right now. It's fourth and ten. I mean, do your thing. 
And that's all part of it, all part of the madness. And I mean, quite honestly, but it, it helped me kind of establish, not establish, but again, as a rookie, you do get a little brownie points. People are thankful and all the things. And, and uh, that was great. It was a cool experience. Well, my man, I tell you what, it, one of the coolest experiences I get in doing this show is having the opportunity to, to stay in contact with guys that that, uh, that I love. And, and you're one of those guys. Always will be. I appreciate it uh, very much, very much. Anytime. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. And, and again, we'll, we'll grab you down the road. And uh, I just got this feeling. I don't know where I got it, but I got this feeling that you're going to be deeply involved in this NFL Germany thing. And I think that's awesome. I appreciate that very much. Sure, we'll see. We'll see more from each other. I think. All right. It. All right, brother. Take care of yourself. Thank you. You too.